talking about what it means to be God's man. The scripture says we are to act like men, and so it begs the question, what kind of men are we to be? And what I've tried to very simply do is just make it, um, is, is give you five things that you can hold on to that almost any aspect of being a tender warrior, a courageous shepherd fits under. Uh, I love Isaiah chapter 41, uh, or chapter 40, where God is being revealed to the nation of Israel that is being called back to obedience to him. And it says in that little section of scripture, behold, this is your God. And it describes him as a coming, conquering king and as a loving, tender warrior. We are made in his image. And so we are not uh, to be anything less than those two things, strong, courageous, tender, and loving. Any man who is too much of one at the expense of the other is not a man made in the image of Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth. Now, if you seek to live as that man in our day and age, you can be sure if you step up, if you lead, if you initiate, if you assume it's your job and your moment, if you hate apathy and reject passivity, if you speak out, if you're an individual who's, who knows that silence in the midst of sin is sin, if you're courageous, if you fear God and, and not man, if you speak the truth in love, you will be attacked. That's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. And indeed, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're not being persecuted, now I want you to listen to me on this because there's two separate sides to persecution. There's what I will call private and public. I'm gonna start with talking about the private. The private persecution is the persecution that comes when your soul is being tormented and attacked by the enemy who is doing everything he can to distract you and make you busy or discourage you or to overwhelm you with sin and temptation. If you are not being tormented by the enemy, it's probably because the enemy is just fine with what you're doing. If you don't find your soul constantly being wooed towards darkness or constantly being um, accused of being unworthy to serve the king, it's probably because the enemy of the king is just happy letting you be there in your complacency. But when you desire to be godly in Christ Jesus, this is what Paul wrote to young Timothy, brace yourself, because the enemy's gonna come after you. He didn't waste his arrows on men that are already distracted, that are already being choked out by the, um, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the concern for many things. But you get a man who hates evil and loves God, and I promise you, you will find all kinds of torment. We have an enemy, it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, who is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we are to be of sober spirit, which means we're to be clear thinking, we're to be vigilant, we've got to constantly remind ourselves that our ability to be used by God is not based on our righteousness or who we are or who we um, are even going to be. It's on what Christ has done. And so we, as it says in Ephesians chapter six, and I would encourage you if you're not explicitly familiar with that section where Paul uses a metaphor of a Roman warrior, a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier who is chained to him um, as a metaphor for what he must be as he's chained to truth, I would encourage you to uh, deeply familiarize yourself with that metaphor, but he says you stand firm, not because you're a stud, but because you stand on the gospel. You shod your feet, you get traction, so you won't be pushed back because you stand firm in the gospel. When the enemy accuses you and says you're not worthy to represent Christ, you tell him he's exactly right. But with Christ, you have every right and you're completely worthy uh, in every way that he intends to be. Be sober-minded, you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You lift up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, you gird yourself with the belt of truth and you wield the sword of the Spirit. It's how men speak truth. We don't have to be wise or winsome, we just have to know the word of God. 
If you don't know what God's word says, it's hard to speak the truth that God wants you to speak. And so we've gotta be students, as we talked about last week. We've gotta be men that the word um, of God is buried in our heart and the teaching of kindness is on our tongue. But if you make war, I promise there will be an enemy who will make war against you. I'll read it to you again. First Peter um, chapter five, verse eight and nine. Be a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, and you've got one if you're part of God's team. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. You can't bind Satan. All you can do is resist him and submit to God. This idea that, Lord, I just wanna bind the enemy. No, you don't bind the enemy. You flee immorality and you pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. That's 2 Timothy 2.22. But you have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering um, is being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Listen, there's so many ways I could go before I get distracted uh, on this and talk about some of the stories. We're just gonna have a little fun, right? I mean, there, there are a few moments in history when you watch guys who stand strong, who don't give in when they're challenged, attacked, or criticized. I do not commend to you the movie 300 unless you have VidAngel. How many of you guys have never heard of VidAngel? All right, well, check it out. If you're gonna watch um, stuff that has compromising images that the enemy will gladly invite you into as you uh, rationalize your ability to watch it because there's something there that stirs your spirit uh, and you don't seek to stream that out as a sober-minded person, knowing that images have effect on our heart, um, I would tell you to up your game there. I know I need to constantly be admonished to not um, justify things. But the movie 300 is the story basically of uh, King Leonides and his warriors of Sparta who were um, standing against Xerxes and the marching Persian army who in his arrogance claimed to be God and was bringing the whole world in submission to him. Sound familiar? I love the scene where um, the emissary of Xerxes uh, shows up and the Spartans are building a wall that is made out of stones from the homeland of Greece and the mortar is enemies of the Greek state <laughs> that are built inside the wall. And when the emissary sees it, he just says, you will pay for your barbarism. And he, he raises a whip to strike these men. And when he does that, one of Leonidas' men jumps up and he takes his sword. And when the guy comes back with his whip, he cuts his arm off. And the guy goes, my arm! And the guy looks at him and he says, it is no longer yours anymore. And the guy then just with Shaking in his teeth, he says this. Now, it was hard to kind of drop into that movie and catch the intensity of it, right? But he was angry. He looked at him and he said, you barbarian. He said, you fool, Xerxes will come and he'll make you submit. And we will fire so many arrows it will blight out the sun. In the movie 300, they steal. That's actually what happened, uh, according to Plutarch, who's a Greek historian and a biographer. He said that what happened is at one point, uh, some of Leonidas' men were kind of beginning to back away of the battle. And they said, listen, the barbarians have so many arrows, it darkens the sun. And Leonidas just looked at him and said, then we shall have the glory of fighting in the shade. Let's go, we're Spartans, we don't back down. He says, you go tell Xerxes, we are free men here. Guys, one of the things that we've gotta do is you stand strong. Um, 
at the temptations of the enemy that will wage war against your soul is you have got to remind each other, we are not weak men. We will be sober of mind and we will make war against the enemy who wants us to wilt in the face of temptation. You need to know something. I know temptation is strong. I think it feels every bit as strong as uh, the, the, the armies of Xerxes marching against the 300 men of Sparta. But no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You hear that? Such as is common to man. You are not terminally unique. Your addiction, your pull, your flesh, your desires are no worse than anybody else's. And you don't have to give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized by the enemy. You, from God, have been provided the way of escape also so that you might be able to endure it. But you are a fool if you fight alone. Yesterday we were talking. As you know, we've got about 2,000 um, leaders from around the world that are here with us this week, and we're just trying to encourage them and strengthen the hearts of them as they lead in their communities. And, and one of the things that I said yesterday is, listen, man, you are a sheep. You're part of a fold. We're, we're, part of, we're animals that have no defense apart from our shepherd. And if you're a sheep who is isolating yourself and you're hanging out alone with a bunch of wolves and you think you're a stud because you're kind of making it, you're not a stud. You're the next snack the wolves are going to have. The greatest warriors in our country, we know today at least, to be, mythologi you know, to be uh, mythologically understood to be the seals. I mean, those are great men, and I say mythologically to be understood as if they're the only ones. There are amazing, well-equipped, uh, ready individuals all across our military. But lately, the media, and um, for appropriate reasons, we've been celebrating the seals especially. But the seals um, are just one of the many warriors that our country has that are fighting for righteousness, that are prosecuting uh, evil and wielding the sword as the minister of the Spirit of God. But they have a motto. We, we, we have this idea that seals are this inoperative, completely competent young man. The seals have a motto, and that is one is none and two is one. They don't go at it alone. And you watch the way Jesus told men to stand firm and to stay strong. And he said, don't fight alone. And he doesn't mean to show up for an hour and a week you know, when you're with your men here at a summit little teaching, he means you make war and wage war together. And you live in community with one another. If you don't have men encouraging you, asking you what you're hearing from the commander-in-chief, uh, how you are uh, packing into your heart every single day, that which will allow you to remain faithful and to wield the sword of truth, to wage war against, as I already said, fleshly lusts, if you don't have guys encouraging you to wear that breastplate of righteousness, you are not a stud. You're next. The one who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. God has made it very clear that we are to be men that stand firm and to not be surprised when our adversary wants to take us out. I'm not going to waste my bullets on lazy men if I'm the enemy. And if you are not suffering torment of the soul, it's probably because you're already a tormented soul. So men wage war, but when you step up and you start to do that, and by the power of God who dwells in you, he starts to enable you to live as God would want a man to live, you can be sure that there's not just gonna be personal attack that you have to stand firm in, but there's gonna be public criticism where it won't just be sin that comes after you, but maybe even the sword. And uh, we want to make sure, as it says, you know, in, in, in 1 Peter, that, um, that there are many others among us and brethren that, um, who are in the world who are suffering, 
because they're standing firm. One of them I just wanna point out to you, and if you just go, I sometimes put stuff on my, my Twitter account if, or, or my Instagram account, uh, which is both words from WAGs, search it, go to that Twitter link a little bit later today, and you'll see a link to the full context um, of a speech by uh, Wang Yi. Wang Yi is a, um, a Chinese pastor who saw that the communist regime, this is a picture uh, of him, uh, we haven't seen him since December 9th, nor have we seen his wife. He and 54 other members of the Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu, China, uh, were arrested for inciting subversion to state power, which means they serve somebody other than the Communist Party. This man was a, a learned scholar um, and one of the, considered one of the brightest intellectuals in the country. In the early 2000s, he trusted Christ and began to pastor a church, and he saw the hope and the truth that was there. He saw the persecution that was coming. He was arrested once and released very quickly, and he knew that it was coming again, that he was going to be arrested. And so he wrote a little manifesto that he said, if I'm ever arrested and not released within 48 hours, release this to the world. And he sent it to different folks around the world. He was arrested on December 9th. We haven't seen him since then. And he just basically said this. I'm gonna read you a few short paragraphs. It would do you well to read it all. These are some of our brethren, as the scripture says, um, that are uh, experiencing suffering as they're faithful around the world. He said, on the basis of the teaching of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China, and so should you. Respect the ones that are established here. For God despises kings and raises, disposes kings and raises up kings. That's just Psalm 75. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China. He's not concerned that he lives underneath the communist government. He is concerned that he follows Christ. Now watch. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on God's word about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I am filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime, at the wickedness of their depriving people of the freedoms of religion and conscience. But changing social and political institution is not the mission I've been called to, and it's not the goal for which God has given his people the gospel. For all the hideous realities, unrighteous politics, and arbitrary laws manifest the cross of Jesus Christ, the only means by which every Christian person must be saved. They also manifest the fact that true hope in a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ and the hope of eternal life. He said, I'm not a political revolutionary, just like Jesus wasn't. Jesus did not come to set men free from the tyranny of Caesar, but from the tyranny of sin. And when men are set free from the tyranny of sin, they will begin to govern one another in righteousness. Communism, dem democracy, of, democracy, uh, let me say it this way. Communism, which is an oppressive ideology, will always lead to death and misery. But so will democracy led by evil men. In, in, one, in one regime, there's just a small group that is oppressing um, a larger group, but in another, it's just all men doing what seems right to them, which in the end will lead to death. He says, as a pastor, my firm belief in the gospel, my teaching and my rebuking of all evils proceeds from Christ's command in the gospel and from the unfathomable love of the glorious king. Listen to this. Every man's life is extremely short and God fervently commands the church to lead and call any man to repentance who is willing to repent. Christ is eager and willing to forgive all who turn from their sins. This is the goal of all the efforts of the church in China, to testify to the world about our Christ, to testify to the middle kingdom about the kingdom of heaven, to testify to earthly momentary lives about heavenly eternal life. How have you done this week with that, guys, in free America? How have you testified to the middle kingdom? 
about the eternal one? Or has it been socially awkward for you? As opposed to being thrown in prison and not being seen for four months, along with your wife. He says this, for this reason I accept and respect the fact that this communist regime has been allowed by God to rule temporarily. As Lord's servant, as John Calvin said, wicked rulers are the judgment of God on a wicked people. The goal being to urge God's people to repent and turn again towards him is why I exist. For this reason, I am joyfully and willingly to submit myself to their enforcement of the laws as though submitting to the discipline and training of the Lord. Let me tell you what I think Mr. Yee is doing, Pastor Yee is doing right now if the Lord still has him with us. And I think what he is doing is what Paul did when he was himself in chains. I think he's loving the people he's with. I think he's standing firm in the faith. I think he was ready. One of the ways you know you're ready to be faithful in there is you're faithful out here. One of the things, as we've said again and again, that we are committed to doing right here is preparing ourselves for the day when they cut off the head of the snake. What do I mean by that? There's a famous passage, and I would encourage you maybe in your time with the guys, that if you would just go and you would start reading in Acts chapter 3 and make your way all the way through the end of Acts chapter 5, it would be a fine way to spend your time together here in just a little bit. And you look and notice why individuals were persecuted during the time of the early church. They weren't persecuted for the foolishness that we're capable of doing when we don't walk with Jesus. They were persecuted for the good they were doing in Jesus' name. In other words, they were not brash and arrogant and fools. They were being persecuted because the good they were doing in Jesus' name, not the arrogance and foolishness that men are capable of doing when they don't walk with Jesus. And so, watch what happens there. And you watch the Lord use them, and you watch the Lord um, allow them to suffer underneath a middle kingdom that did not recognize God as king. And uh, they beat him, well, they imprisoned him, they let him out, said, don't do it again. They went and did it again because they said, it's, uh, you know, we're gonna serve God and king. You know, as for you, you decide whether that's the right thing to do, but we've already made a decision. And so they went out and preached again. And so they locked them up. And then while they were trying to figure out what to do with them while they were locked up, God released them and they went out and preached again. And then they brought them and they beat them. But the people who had seen the good that they were doing cried out for them. And eventually uh, the guys just tried to intimidate them and said, man, if we, if we gotta kill you, we'll kill you. And they said, well, you do what you're gonna do. And we're gonna do what we have to do because it's the loving thing to do in this middle kingdom is talk about the eternal one. And so they got together and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And they basically said, hey, man, we need to maybe eliminate these men. And then finally Gamaliel stood up, who was one of the leading men um, of the day. And he said, let me just tell you something. There's always been different little sects that popped up. He mentions Thutis, who was a false teacher and a false messiah. And it says when Thutis was killed, it says then his men went away. And then another man rose up and he was killed and then they went away. And he said, let me just tell you guys. If this Jesus is not who he says he was, this too will go away. But if he's who he said he was, you may find yourself not fighting against these apostles, but against God himself. So guys, they may cut off the head of the snake, which might be people you look to. We're, we're preparing this church, man. We're preparing this church for the day when they cut off us from this building, when this is um, the head of the society of political correctness and uh, progressive love. 
I assume they'll office here one day, unless the church does its job to not let wicked governments exist in our land because we have nothing but wicked people in it. And so we try and take captive the hearts of men and we beg them to understand the redemptive work of Jesus so that we would want righteous men to lead us so that religious freedom and liberty would continue in this land. So civility could continue to prosper in this land. But we will be ready the day they cut off the head of the snake to realize that as long as they keep killing men, they will never be able to kill the risen Lord, that you're ready. There may be a day when we can't gather like this, but wherever you are, godly men should be ready to gather. Are you ready to lead? Are you gonna step up when you're challenged, attacked, and criticized? If, if not, then we're not doing our job. That's our job, to have you ready to stand firm, not just to have you come and listen to us talk about the strength and the righteousness of God's way, but to be men that are convinced of it. I was so encouraged this week. Bobby sent out to a number of your leaders, hey, I'd like to hear ways that men have already been putting to work what we're talking about. How have men in your group stepped up? And I got dozens of stories this week from you about ways that you stepped up and things you did to serve people, to, to advance the gospel, to, to, to care for things. I'll tell you one story that happened. There was a guy that was there. There was some um, folks that were in from another office. Some of them were attractive females, and he was sitting right there, and some guy walked in, and he started to make some comment about the girls that were there to work in the office. And one man just sat there, and he prayed, and he finally said, hey, can I just ask you a question? Does that ring on your finger match the words in your mouth? And I don't want to make you feel bad, but hey, those are somebody's wives and sisters and daughters, and we should welcome them here. And he said it just went quiet, and nobody talked anymore, at least in his presence, <laughs> about the objectification of women. Let's go, church. I heard story after story like that. That's what the church does. It just begins to remind men that the way we impress other men is not by being subject to our flesh, but by making war against our flesh. Let me just tell you what Jesus said, because we gotta get to this, right? Jesus in Matthew 10, he was talking about the fact that we weren't gonna be out there on our own, we were gonna be out there together, and he said, but you need to realize that not everybody will be with you. And so in Matthew 10, 21, he says this, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and a child will rise up against his parents and cause them to be put to death. You can just be sure that somebody close to you is gonna turn on you at some point when things get nasty. It's always happened. It happened in Nazi Germany, it's happening in China right now, and it's gonna happen here if we ever lose because we don't do our job, the freedoms that God has given us. You'll be hated by all because of my name. Don't be surprised. If you guys wanna go to other churches around here, they're gonna tell you it's always gonna be easy and you're gonna get healthy, wealthier, and wiser and prosper because you follow Jesus. Go to those churches. That's fine. They're just not teaching God's word. What you should assume is Matthew 10, 22. You're gonna be hated because of my name. Verse 23 says, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. You just keep being faithful. You find a place to rest. He drops down to chapter, um, uh, we'll, we'll just say, go to verse 24. He said, listen, just be aware. A disciple's not greater than his master, nor, uh, nor a slave. Uh, a disciple's not greater than his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It's not enough, isn't it, for this disciple to become like his teacher and the slave like his master? What do you want? If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, meaning Jesus, that's what they call me, a satanic emissary, how much more will they malign the members of this household? Therefore, do not fear them. I love this. Jesus, just before this, as you get ready to send them out, I, I love to say this, right? Jesus said, okay, boys, here we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna make ourselves a little team here, and our, our mascot is the sheep. We're gonna be the mighty sheeps of Jerusalem. 
And we got some tough games coming up. We're going to play the Wolves, all right? And uh, you're kind of like, yeah, could you just choose another mascot, right? You know, it's hard to kind of run out and go, we're bad, you know? And it's, like, it's just, you know, those guys over there have fangs on their helmets, and, you know, we're just, we got a shepherd's crook. And I think Jesus saw his team kind of getting their head down, and he just gives them one of these. I think he says, just look at me, boys. And he says, therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that won't be revealed or hidden that will not be known. The middle kingdom won't last for long. What I tell you in the darkness, you speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetop. He says, do not fear them. Those wolves that can devour sheep bodies, while I raise up them in their little fleeting moment. You don't fear those who can destroy the body but are unable to kill the soul, but you rather fear him. I think he pointed to himself, who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. I know my people. Now, you just got to figure out if you want to follow that Jesus. Because if he's not who he says he is, you're nuts. But if he's who he says he is and you follow anybody else, you're crazy. And you are a fool. God expects us to gird up our loins. This is, um, this is our time. This is our moment. And he knows that there are going to be things that are going to make us want to back down a little bit. But, but go read the story of Jeremiah. In fact, just read Jeremiah chapter 1. Start there this week as men if you're not going to read Acts 3 through 5. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, God says, Jeremiah, I'm going to call you to go to the land. I'm going to go, call you to go to the people and he goes, I don't really want to go to the people, Lord. I don't know what to say. He goes, you say what I tell you to say. That's what he's going to say to you this week. God has called you. You are a chosen race. You're a chosen race. Just like he chose Jeremiah, he chooses you. Don't say, it says in Jeremiah 1-7, I'm just a youth. Because everywhere I send you, you're going to go. Jeremiah just starts to whimper a little bit and says, I don't really want to go. And so in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17 through 19, Guys, I want you to hear this. I mean, I could go. I've got, I, honestly, I've got so much stuff I could talk about. I'll close with one little story right here at the end. But I'm going to give you Jeremiah 117. I want you to get in your groups. And I want you to go, hey, how are we stepping up, speaking out? And are we ready to stand firm? Are we ready to make war against sin? And are we ready to face the sword? For me to live is Christ. And to die will only be to gain. But Jeremiah Finally, he goes, Lord, I don't know if I want to go because these people won't receive me. And God says, now you gird up your loins, boy. In other words, you get ready to run and you rise and you speak to them all that I have commanded you. Do not be dismayed before them or I will dismay you. Now behold, you want to know what a man is? A man is a fortified city. I'll just insert right here one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 25, 26, like a trampled spring and a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. I don't know what God's gonna produce here at Watermark, but I pray it's not a bunch of trampled springs and polluted wells. But men who know God and are fountains of living water because they walk with Jesus. Proverbs 24, 10, I'm gonna insert that right here because I can kick myself if I don't say it. If you're slack in the day of distress, then your strength is limited. And a strength of a man related to Jesus Christ should never have his strength limited. I don't want to hear how hard it is. I want to hear how much you love God. 
You are a fortified city, Jeremiah 1.18. You are an individual that the scripture says is to be pillars uh, of iron and a wall of bronze. And you are to stand firm against the whole land, against the kings, against its princes, against its false priests, is what Jeremiah was up against. And folks were redefining what love looks like and against all the people who follow preachers they find in accordance with their own desire. And I love this. They will fight against you. Just mark my word. But mark my word too, they will not overcome you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. The question you gotta ask yourself is are you with him? I love what one man said about that uh, Jeremiah 119, a long time ago, he just said, hey, listen, uh, they will fight against you. Conflict is unavoidable, but they will not overcome you. Defeat is impossible, for I am with you, says the Lord, because you've got alliance that is inseparable. Are you alive with Jesus? Then you win. Read the end of the story. But you need to know that there have been men that have faithfully served him, that have suffered greatly, like Pastor Wang Yi right now, like like John Bunyan, who because he wouldn't bow to the misinterpretation and the poor theology of the state, was in prison. And while he was in prison, all he did was write a story about the suffering pilgrim on his progress towards the celestial city. It is the best-selling Christian book of all time, except for the Bible. And it's what he did when he was persecuted. He loved people. He wrote stories of truth. And he rejoiced in his king. And they said, we'll let you out of here if you just say you won't go preach. He goes, I'll be in here so long, moss will grow in my eyes. That's what he said. We'll fight in the shade. Father, I pray that we would stand firm when we're challenged, attacked, or criticized. And we would have moss grow in our eyes and be separated from our wife and four children like Bunyan. Then that we would be individuals who cower at the promise of freedom. No, we are free men, which is why we're not a slave to sin and weakness and false ideology. But we are men that the teaching of kindness will be on our tongue. And we are men who know who our shepherd is. And let them kill our bodies. Let them kill our careers. Let them kill our societal standing. But we will stand firm because we are your men. And we have the shade of truth that strengthens us in the heat of persecution. Let us be those men, in Jesus' name.